1: Welcome once again to Dave and Marlo, your favorite podcast about the Portland Trail Blazers and the NBA. I'm Dave Deckard. It's always good to be here with you. And this episode has 100% more Marlo Ferguson. Glad to have you back right in the middle of the NBA playoffs first round. I mean, I'm kind of sad that the Blazers aren't in it, but uh, we've had some pretty good action so far.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, this is my favorite time of the year, uh, being able to enjoy it. And like you said, I think you definitely wish we can get some playoff Damian Lillard in there. But you know, we got some great consolation prizes, some great basketball across the board, and we'll get a chance to kind of scout you know, some players and, and see who fits and who doesn't. So.
1: Well, we did, we did get some playoff Damian Lillard. He was sitting courtside at Sixers Nets the other day. I mean, that created a little bit of buzz. And, you know, Portland fans are going, to see, you know, Mikael Bridges and Joel Embiid He's going to recruit them both right there to the Blazers. Do, do you think he was there for any particular purpose uh, like recruiting or what have you? Or is he just watching some basketball?
0: Well, I think I speak for everyone when I say that we hope he's there to recruit and uh, pitch a little bit. You know, obviously, we all want Mikau Bridges and Joel Embiid and guys like that. Uh, But just being a competitor, I think he's just there to kind of enjoy the game uh, most reasonably. Um, Like I said, he hasn't been there in two years, so the best way to get to it is to go see it now.
1: (laughs) The second best seat in the house. (laughs) He's right up there in front. Cameras caught him in everything. Yeah, you know, the Blazers have to be careful. I mean, Blazers fans. I assume the organization is above this. But, okay. Yeah, dames out there recruiting and all that. Well, maybe. But uh, forgive me this comparison, but I'm going to go ahead and make it. Like, you, you hear the stories about, like, the derpy husband who turns to their wife and says, I want to open marriage. Derp, derp. I think we should date other people. And she goes, like, eh, yeah, you know, I don't know. Maybe not. Come on. All right. And then six months later, she's dating, uh, you know, a dozen other guys or whomever she wants. And he's sitting at home with his Cheetos and Mountain Dew playing Call of Duty with zero prospects. And, and basically, he's lost her. Long story short, uh, that I'm not sure if that's a sensitive story. I don't understand the ethics and etiquette of all of that. But, you know, this is a story that happens, right? The Blazers have to be careful with Damian Lillard. We're sending him out here to recruit. Well, you know what? That works both ways. And if you're the Philadelphia 76ers, and you're maybe going to make the Eastern Conference finals, it's a possibility, anyway, could make the NBA finals. And Damian Lillard is sitting courtside. He might not be sitting courtside to recruit your guys. <laughs> you know, your guys might be recruiting him. And I'm not saying that's Dame's intent, but that the door the door works no matter which way you walk through it.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree with that. It's just depending on your perspective, you can see it in a whole lot of different ways. Uh, I just hope that Damian Lillard isn't the guy eating the Cheetos and, and playing the Call of Duty in that in that relationship. It's <laughs> pretty rough, but it's, yeah, I think Damian Lillard, to his credit, he deserves to have, be able to put you know every every situation up on the table and see how it looks. Um, and if I were a GM, I'd be offering players to come watch my team play, you know, front row too. I could do that, <laughs> especially a guy like Lillard. Yeah,
1: It's interesting. Yeah, I know. I, all I'm saying is if, if Dame Lillard showed up to my game and I was in the playoffs and his team wasn't, and I know his team was having issues, I'd be going, mm, I wonder. I, I wonder. I wonder how open that relationship is. Huh, maybe I should ask. <laughs> oh, man. So, look, the, the, I think the first round has gone pretty much to form with the exception being injuries and suspensions. Because that's about the only thing that has thrown a wrench in things. I suppose Milwaukee, Miami, it's mildly surprising that they're 1-1. But Giannis had a bruised, uh, what, tailbone or whatever it was. And he's out. Now, the Bucks won the game without him. But... It's not entirely surprising that the Heat was able to take one. It's surprising that the Heat took game one, I think. But that this series would end up going six wouldn't be out of the ordinary. Uh, anything in that series that you find troubling, indicative, or or anything else?
0: Well, I kind of expected Miami to come out and throw a punch in game one. Um, just knowing Eric Spolster and the way he coaches, you know, they're, they're a team that they want to come out and and experiment a little bit, kind of fill the series out. And game ones are like March Madness. You know, it's your best chance to go out and steal one. You don't have a lot of film to go off of, and you got it's going to get tougher later on. So that's your best chance to do it. And I thought they, they played a really good game, uh, game two. You know, they gave they, they themselves a chance, too. But I thought Milwaukee, you know, regardless of Giannis, they've got enough talent to, to take advantage of that, especially with Tyler Harrell being out. So you got Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, uh, Bobby Portis. I think I he's a guy I, I would love to see in Portland, Bobby Portis. But there's so many different players on that team that are they know their roles and they're able to kind of step in and, and do what they got to do. I can see that going six games in Milwaukee's favor too.
1: Yeah, I, I forgot about Tyler Harrow. He's uh, that broken hand. I mean, and that's okay. I, I have a lot of empathy for almost everybody who's out of the playoffs at the moment. I mean, you play 82 games and, <laughs> you know, within the first two, you get stars that are injured that's tough and especially grading when you think about how careful people be load manage it's like talking to a toddler right i probably haven't had a toddler but here's how this works uh, don't pick that up 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 they immediately go and pick that up right it's like load management don't get injured don't get injured don't, game one of the playoffs injured uh let's talk about as we go through these series too let's talk about okay again trailblazers fans are kind of the vultures here circling right okay <laughs> if, if a team loses maybe they'll rebuild and maybe we can trade uh for them so in this miami series uh i mean the two obvious names are jimmy butler and bam Adebayo. uh i've talked about both of them in written form do you think either one is a realistic get or a good get for the blazers
0: I thought Jimmy Butler was one that could have been an interesting gift for them at the start of the year, you know, and they were really struggling and, and they were talking about, you know, how, how do you want to build around a 33-year-old and whatnot. Um, so I think if they have a situation uh, like this next year or maybe in the off offseason if they lose early, I think there's a situation where you may be able to get Jimmy Butler, you know, at a, at a reasonable price. And I think he's still got a lot left in the tank too. So he'd fit the Blazers perfectly. Um, I think Bam out of bio Alliance with the timeline a little bit better being, what's 24, 25 years old. I kind of worry about his uh, killer instinct and his ability to kind of step it up in the postseason. But he's a guy that, as you've written about, he fits really well with with what the Blazers want to do. You know, defensively, he's a quarterback in that sense where he can kind of carry the load there. Uh, he's improving. So I think I'd be on board with either one. And, you know, to a lesser degree, you can talk about some of their role players, too. But I'd be on board with, with, with either one of those guys coming to the team, depending on who the Blazers lose. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, well, we want to go deeper here. We want to do role players. So who, which Miami role players do you think would be interesting?
0: I was thinking, uh, Jay Crowder. He's in he's in Milwaukee you now. He's always been a guy that, you okay. know, even when he was with my I thought, he'd be a good fit. Um, I wouldn't mind a guy like, you know, Kyle Lowry's getting a little bit older. But if you look at what the Blazers have talked about, you know, in their in their media availability, they're talking a lot about uh, getting more experience. You know, getting guys that, um, you know, fit that bill in terms of being older and knowing how to adapt to certain situations. And we talked about it in November. Like they were a team that they had they out of their 24 players they played this year. Only four of those guys had, you know, four or more years of experience. So definitely want to see guys like that. Miami, they, they had those guys. Milwaukee has those guys. So it'd be, it'd be fun to kind of see who on that team, you know, you can maybe sneak away and get.
1: wonder if they could get Josh Hart. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> that's probably a pipe dream. Uh, so uh, Bobby Portis, you mentioned. That's another exciting name. Yeah. Uh, not exactly a star, but certainly one of those, I mean, ultra high level role players and maybe he hasn't had the ability to flourish entirely in Milwaukee. He's been real good, but, you know, he's never been a name there. Uh, Chris Middleton uh, is another one that's been floated. Uh, Middleton, his game has fallen off a cliff. Jimmy Butler, I would stay clear of myself. Uh, You think he has more in the tank than I do. It's not that he wouldn't have a year. I give him that. But you're paying him through 2026. And it's it's not exactly Damian Lillard money, but it's close. So, like, yeah, Butler makes me nervous. Portis would be exciting. What do you think about Middleton? Is there any way? I mean, this was my ideal signing like three years ago. It was just like praying Milwaukee would crash and burn and there's some way that he would become available because he was literally it. Not so much anymore.
0: Yeah, I think first and foremost, you know, you got to like Chris Middleton, he's an awesome player. But like you said, three years ago, uh, that would have been the move. Now I look at it and I'm a little bit worried about it. Just the lower body injuries that he's had, the knee injuries and how he's had to continue to come back from that. Looking at Milwaukee, I'd be interested in a guy like maybe Brook Lopez. Um, if you were to move on from Yusuf Nergich or whatever and you, you had a chance, I think he's a guy that he's basically doing some of the things that Nergich is trying to do now in terms of, you know, being a three-point shot, rebuilding a, a new kind of play style in this new NBA. Uh, he's one of the best defenders, you know, across the league. So if you were going to go get some guys that you want to send a message and say, hey, we're really emphasizing defense. I look at Brooke Lopez. I look at uh, Patrick Beverly from Chicago, just guys like that, that, you know, kind of really fit the bill in terms of that that mentality that you want to cultivate.
1: Yeah, the problem with Lopez is, well, I mean, I think he's going to be hard to get. But also, I think he's really good because he has a Brook Lopez-shaped area of that roster that he can fill. Uh, The Blazers don't exactly have that. I don't think Lopez can play 30 minutes a night, you know, uh, over 82 games. But if the Blazers had more infrastructure around him, he'd be a huge get but he doesn't, he wouldn't have the Giannis there and he wouldn't have the defensive integrity there. And I think that he'd just get a little more exposed in Portland and he's not that, I mean, Adebayo would be more able to fill more of those holes, even though he's physically quite different than Lopez, obviously. But yeah, I mean, look, if they got Brooke Lopez, would we all throw our hands up and say, yay, of course we would. But I'm not sure that he'd be defensive player of the year in Portland, but we, I know we'll see. Uh, but let's, yeah, test it, Blazers. Try us out. Uh, Boston Celtics versus Atlanta Hawks. I mean, no surprise there. Boston's going to win this series, right? I mean, I, I, Have the Hawks got anything left to give that we haven't seen? Or are they mired in mediocrity? And is there anyone on their roster? Let's assume if Boston goes far and isn't going to part with a lot of their players. Uh, but anybody uh, on Atlanta that you would be interested in at all?
0: Man, if this were two or three years ago, like you said, um, if there was one guy I always wanted to see in a Blazers uniform, it'd be DeJounte Murray. Uh, I think that he kind of fit that two-bar spot. I'm not sure how it would fit now with Simons and Sharp and how that's kind of gotten a little bit, you know, like kind of a lock jam. But um, he was a guy that I thought really would have been awesome for that team in, in 2019, 2020, when they were, you know, talking about making moves like that for C.J. McCollum. Um but like you said, they're they're kind of mired in mediocrity now. I don't know if you've seen the stat where they were like twenty one and twenty one at home, twenty one and twenty one on the road, just average everywhere. You kind of remind like they're the the pulling tail of the East right now. So it's tough. Uh, I think that you know what I'm saying we we got Cam Reddish. He was a guy that used to play for the Atlanta Hawks. You know, maybe people look at DeAndre Hunter, John Collins. I think it's another that kind of comes to mind. It's it's difficult to say who's who's really expendable, who's really you know available to get. But if John Collins is available, I think you look at him uh, just in terms of the athleticism at the four spot, put him at the five. He spread the floor a little bit. So he's a guy I will be looking at in that sense. And maybe Cedric Bay, too.
1: Yeah, we've talked about Jalen Brown a little bit. I mean, he would be a good get, but can't can't. I, the idea that he would come to Portland. I mean, Jalen Brown, I think. Well, I, I was going to say at best he'd use Portland to up the bid, but I don't think he has to. I think the Celtics will max him.
0: Right. Yeah, they, I think they'd be smart they'd be not smart to not do that. You know, he's such a, a dynamic player. Uh, but just thinking about Damian Lillard, what he was saying in that his press conference, uh, the guys that moved the needle, that kind of want to move. There's been some talk about him wanting to move, and I, I, I don't know. I, for some reason, I just associate him with that. Like He's a guy that would come to Portland and, and play, in, play in that market or whatever. Um, no proof behind that whatsoever. But if we were able to get a guy like that, I think he'd definitely take this team closer to that championship level. Absolutely. Yeah. Well...
1: I mean, again, we can always hope. Uh, Sixers, Nets. I mean, Sixers are bullying over Brooklyn. Brooklyn, of course, made the playoffs because they had Kevin Durant, right? You know, and now they don't have Kevin Durant. So there we go. Uh, I assume there's not many surprises in that series. Uh, Brooklyn is, just isn't able to handle them, can't score. Uh, I mean, Bridges, I, I don't see any way the Nets trade him i mean it's just they they traded kd to get him right and i know they want to you want to rebuild but rebuilding is talent right and draft picks it's not just draft picks and it's like i think that the nets think in bridges that they've got maybe the premier blossoming talent in the league the the guy who's ready to you know step forward. I know Shaden Sharp also qualifies there, but he's farther away. Uh, what's he's gonna What is he gonna blossom into? Is he any kind of all around player? What will be his ceiling as far as points scored and productive minutes? There are all kinds of questions still around Sharp. There are very few around Bridges. I don't see any way that that Brooklyn lets go of him.
0: Yeah, I don't see that either. Um, especially with the way he's he's growing in the last thirty games or so. Like I don't think he was capable of being that kind of level superstar um but i think if you were going to trade Shaden sharp i think that, that that would be kind of the deal you would want to make uh because i feel like the blazers their hardest question this offseason is going to be like how do you align damian lucas timeline with not sacrificing your entire future so if you get a guy like Mikhail bridges for Shaden sharp you get a little bit older but you still don't you don't sacrifice too much in terms of the on court uh the ages and you get more experience too so uh, like you said, I don't think it's likely that it happens. I think that they may consider him to be untouchable unless you've got a young superstar that can kind of match that. But it's fun to think about. I think maybe you got to take it a step lower and maybe look at maybe Cam Johnson or something like that. But uh, it's 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 hard to kind of see with with how you can get Mikayla Bridges at this point. But I'd love to see if they can if they can make it happen.
1: Yeah, I mean, and Johnson there he's the, he's a name that keeps popping up in my head because he, he's not look he's good. Right. And he has room to grow. And really, I think that's that's what you're going to see. The Blazers have to settle for. They're, they're not. I, I don't think they're going to get this big sign. I do think they're going to try. I don't think it's going to happen because it almost never does. And Portland doesn't have Portland's not primed for this. Right. And, and there are things like tax rates and a 100 other things that get in the way. Like every every little angle seems to be leaning against them except for they have some chips to trade, okay? But a Cam Johnson might be gettable. Uh, there are other players that might be gettable that are good and young and would go either way, okay? If you had to rebuild, they still make sense. And if you keep Damian Lillard, they, they make sense as well. I think that's the money move for the Blazers right now. I think it's where you're going to end up seeing them settle. The question is, then will they have to overpay and how valuable those future draft picks are to Portland will be an interesting question because if you're going to totally rebuild you got to keep them all right but if you're going into a soft rebuild the value is more negotiable and if you're keeping Damian Lillard the value is not much right so I think they're going to go into that soft rebuild Mode because they'll be forced to. They won't be able to make their big move, and it'll be interesting to see if they overpay a, a pick or two to get a guy like Cam Johnson.
0: Yeah, that, that entire limbo is going to be really interesting to see. um I think the draft lottery is going to kind of determine a lot of this because they've got you know a ten point five percent chance of that number one pick. If they get that, and you're able to go get Victor Wimbayama, I think you know that, that changes everything. But if you get the the sixth, seventh pick, and you've been there before, I think maybe you you put those draft picks on the table. Unless you think you have a chance to get another Satan Sharp, which I don't think. Damon has already said he's not interested in another situation like that just yet. So, that's tough enough. That'd be tough.
1: Yeah, let me ask you. Let me ask you. At what level do you think that pick starts to be traded? At what level does the balance shift? Let's assume they keep number one. Uh, Is it as soon as number two that the balance shifts all the way towards trade? Or is there a, a gradient where it's like, okay, it's about right here where you'd really look for them to almost automatically trade it?
0: I think with the number one pick, you absolutely keep it. Um, when you get to number two, I think it's kind of, kind of. I think you have a lot of leverage, a lot of trade leverage with that. You know, the guys like uh, Scoot Henderson, uh, the Thompson brothers, guys like that. One thing with this draft pass that I noticed is there are a lot of uh, six foot seven guys, a lot of wings like that. So... For Portland, and you know, I kind of wonder, do you go that route, or do you want to go try to trade that and get a, a big somebody with some size that you know that's proven and and, and established already? So it's tough, you know. If, if I were the Blazers, I I if it's number one, I'm taking Victor with Miami and I'm 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 looking at a championship in the next five or ten years. But if it's number two, number three, and beyond, I think that you definitely put you know that that trade piece on the table and and see what you can get for a team that's desperate to get you know a guard or whatnot. You can you can do what you want to do.
1: I think it's really interesting, the framing around this, too, that ideally the Blazers would be framed as a team who can't lose in this exchange. Either they're going to get a really high draft pick. Now, I suppose if they end up seven, eight, nine, OK, that's no fun. Right. But let's say if you got the second or third pick, how can you lose? Right. Theoretically, in the abstract, you're going to get a really premium level rookie or you have a huge trade ship. That, that should be the talk. Right now, the talk still seems to center around the Blazers aren't, can't win here. And I, I granted, I, I get that. That's, I've been emphasizing the reality of their situation. But the reality of their situation is framed by what they've said they're trying to do, which is build a championship around Damian Lillard like right now and make a huge monster move which is really, really difficult. And I think that framing has something to do with it. Like, okay, if that's a thing, if you walk into the boxing arena and you say, you know what, I'm just going to, in my street clothes, I'm going to get in this ring and I'm going to punch out Mike Tyson. You know, we're going to say, well, you know, that's probably, I don't know who you are, but that's probably not possible. (laughs) But if you say, you know what, I'm in the boxing arena, I got the best seats in the house and you know what, I could get in that ring if I wanted to, we'd go, dude, you must be famous or something, right? It's the two different framings. The Blazers need a little PR work here, I think, as well as a roster retool. Something's got to change their narrative that change, that turns it to the positive. I, you know, I think that that's, that's just something they need to work on, I
0: guess. Yeah, I'd agree with you on that. And I think it's got to be a big trade of some sort that, that does it. I don't know. They have the cash space to really go out and make a, a big move like that. So... I think it's, got to, it's got to be a big, a big trade. Or, I think or, they've got some leverage. Go ahead. Oh,
1: or trumpet their draft pick. Like, if you yeah. have to make the number two pick or the number three pick, don't talk about that like that's a, a backup plan. Say, you know, we're gonna make that pick, and and by the way, if someone wants to trade us for that pick, it's gonna cost them, right? I mean, that's the thing. It's not like you don't, <laughs> you don't. You don't walk into the store and go, Oh my God, this is this stupid $5,000? I mean, it's, you know, I don't know. Like, you walk in, like, I got $5,000. Who's going to give me something for it? And let people, like, you know, trip all over you. I, I understand the NBA culture is a little different, and I'm not saying GMs do that, but you get that the aura around this is weird. And it's like I, I, I'm. I'm gonna be interested to see what happens if they fall in that middle ground. Uh, let's let's move on with the Knicks and Cavaliers. They are one and one. I'm, I'm, I guess not a surprise given their four five status. I kind of expect Cleveland to win this, but uh, New York had a little resurgence here at least for a moment.
0: Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm on the other side. I'm going with Team New York on this one. Okay. Um, still, still room for Jalen Brunson and those guys. Um, I think it's, that series is going to go six or seven games. Um, I just look at the Knicks. They've, they've played well to this point, and they're back in the Garden now. I think quickly is going to get going. Quentin Grimes is going to get going, and they've got some guys on that team that you know I think would fit. You know, the Blazers good too, but it's just it's just been fun to see that series. I think it's going to be the most competitive of the Eastern Conference first round, um, and just hoping that we get a six or seven game series out of that, and maybe one out of the West, and that'd be as a basketball fan you can't really ask for more than that.
1: So who do you think would fit uh, from those teams?
0: I, just, I, I take that back. Now that I say that, because those guys are still so young that it's hard to kind of imagine them even having a chance to become a Blazer. But I think in the future, you know, if you're able to get Quentin Grimes, Quentin Grimes or a guy like that, um, you take a chance on that. Obi Toppin. I think they've got some 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 really nice pieces they built. Um, and you know, I I'd say Josh Hart too. I I thought that if it weren't for his three point hesitance, I thought he really had a, a pretty decent run with the Blazers. wasn't perfect, but played his role well. I I think you kind of leave it at that.
1: Uh, Any chance if the Knicks lose or fall hard that Julius Randle comes available? I mean, he was last year, kind of. I mean, at least rumors had him. But he's bounced back. But are the Knicks going anywhere with him as their number one player?
0: I don't think so. And I I said a couple of weeks ago that I thought Jalen Brunson was the best player on that team. Uh, And if you look at the way they played in the playoffs last year, it was a situation where they were running ISO with Randall and they just weren't able to, you know, get the right results. The offense was, was terrible, you know, to be frank. Uh, and they, they got bounced in the first round. So I thought they made the right moves this year to put him in a situation where he can be that 1A, 1B. If he's having an off night, you got Brunson and guys that can step up. I think that's the best way to do it. If you're trying to build a championship team, you have to have that 1A, 1B, 1-2 uh, punch. And they've got that now. So I think it's it's smooth sailing for them now. But I think they still need one or two more guys to – like R.J. Barrett's a guy that I, I thought he – be a little bit better, but he's lost his three-point touch, so it's it's hard to say what they are at this point.
1: Yeah, RJ Barrett's a kind of a scary guy at the moment, like in terms of he seems like he should be a lot better than he actually is, which is the nightmare, right? And, and again, that would be a nightmare kind of acquisition for Portland. Would Julius Randle fit on this team at all?
0: Uh, um, I'd say, it depends on who you lose. I think it depends on who you lose. I, uh, I don't, think he's a, a great defender per se he's made some some strides in his game in terms of a facilitator he's a really good facilitator for his size rebounds well scores well so I think anytime you get a chance at a guy like that you take a chance on it if the money's right but I don't know I, I feel a little bit weird like my dad's a Knicks fan and we both feel kind of weird about him being the the, the top guy on your team like can you trust him really so I, I think that that'd be a, a kind of a redundant situation
1: yeah and obviously he plays power forward right now which is uh you know, that position's taken and he's six eight ish, which means he's not gonna slide to center. But you could do that positionless basketball thing, but when none of the positions have defense, that's probably a tough ask. I w I don't know. It would be interesting, but I don't imagine Julius Randle and Jeremy Grant would be playing together for too long. Although I don't know, I might get a little excited. It's just like it's just a bunch of weird ingredients though. Oh, Okay, so we have the series that nobody's talking about, Denver Nuggets, Minnesota Timberwolves. It's almost like the Nuggets aren't even in the playoffs yet. Everybody's going, yeah, yeah, you know, just, yeah, we'll see in the second round. Then we'll celebrate. We'll give you a big entrance. Uh, Denver leads 2-0. Anything interesting going on there?
0: One thing I want to start off with saying, if I were the NBA commissioner, I would not have these games ending at 1230 at night. Like, Like past midnight, that's tough. It's hard to watch those games. I've stayed up for him, and I'm, I'm, I am I really like what Denver's doing so far. Uh, with Jamal Murray, it's great to see him healthy. Michael Porter Jr., uh, you, uh, Nicole Jokic, they've got so many weapons on that team that it's going to be tough to take them out. I think that they, they're in a benefit situation where you look at the Lakers and Grizzlies, they might beat each other up. The Suns and uh, Suns and Clippers might beat each other up. So they're going to get a team that maybe had to go through a six or seven-game series. So I think that's going to benefit them. Um, I think it's going to be a five-game series. I think maybe the Timberwolves win one game at home. But – after that, I don't really see them uh, making too much of a, a difference, especially with Anthony Edwards and their shoulder being hurt, and Minnesota just having so much turmoil with with Rudy Gobert and, and Kyle Anderson, and those guys. So, hard to buy stocking them right now.
1: Yeah, I mean Denver's like whack a mole, right? And Jokic is the engine that keeps popping those moles up. But like you you hammer one, and then across the court comes another. I mean, and. We're only starting to see it now in the postseason. I mean, we saw it in the the regular season, and we've seen it before. But this was the year, I think, where Denver knew they were going to make the playoffs. And they were just kind of, okay, we're drafting through the regular season, and woe be to the team that comes up against us in the playoffs. I think Denver is one of those sneaky teams that's actually going to be better this postseason than they showed in the regular season. So uh, let's see how far they can take that. Minnesota, they cannot come back with the same core next year, can they, at this point? Is this just crumbled into the garbage can, basically, and they got to fish a couple things out and get rid of the rest?
0: Yeah, I think that Karl Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert situation, I think is maybe a one-and-done. But at the same time, like, with the money they've got to pay those guys, I'm not sure who's going to take, you know, Google Bears contracts. So maybe you've got to get rid of talents in that sense. Like, I don't know. I, it's just it's difficult to see them running this back um, and, and thinking it's going to work out better. It'd be almost kind of Blazers like to see them running it back where they're, they're thinking that, oh, we can, we can we can talk ourselves into maybe it being better in year two. But I don't know. I just don't see it. I don't see it. I think you build this team around Anthony Edwards and, and get those guys out of the paint and let him go to work. But I think, it, I think you definitely have to make a move for one of the two this offseason for sure.
1: Yeah, I mean, and Towns, he's coming off an injury, so it's hard to judge. But, I mean, he looks pretty bad right now. And he was scintillating his first, like, three seasons. And then became, I mean, frankly, we got used to it, okay? So we're not applauding him for the same things we used to. But also, even though he, I thought he was, he's always been a great offensive player. But the rest of his game didn't really come around. And so you're looking at him like that guy who looks really great. He's like, he's like Las Vegas. Uh, I, I like Las Vegas for about 48 hours and then I'm done with it. But what's funny about Las Vegas is like from a distance, it looks great. You fly over and see all those lights, that's beautiful. You look down the strip, it's awe-inspiring. You walk up to that pyramid and look what it's actually made out of, and it's like smelly styrofoam stuff, right? And it's like, okay, Carl Anthony Towns, hello. <laughs> yeah, It's like y- you want to admire him, but not from too close because uh, what he's doing actually isn't contributing to winning.
0: Yeah, that allure, it, it wears off pretty quickly. Uh, I, for me personally, I kind of question his, his killer instinct. I kind of wonder if he's a guy that can be your best player too. Uh, he's had some playoff games where he shot maybe six or seven shots. And I think you just – you don't really want to see that in the superstar. You want your superstar to go out there and kind of set the table, uh, set the stage for everyone else. And he hasn't always been that guy. I thought he played really good in the play-in games. Uh, but this postseason, it hasn't been great. And I think, you know, his first postseason wasn't really good. So it's a situation where it's, it's starting to become a pattern. I think he's definitely still a top 20 25 player and even better than that when he's healthy. but uh, it's, it's a little bit spotty at this point in time and, and you know you, you kind of worry about that with him.
1: So Gobert will make 41, 44 and 46 million give or take over the next three years so that's around the 40 about 43 million dollar level. Towns is scheduled to make 36 next season and he's an unrestricted free agent so that will be interesting to see what they do of the two i would say gobert would be the better fit with the blazers uh the problem is minnesota just traded everything for him and and this is the problem with getting towns too it's not like they have to trade the same player back out but they have to get a big reward for trading trading one of those two otherwise I mean, that's a fireable offense, right? Like, if you're their GM, you're sitting there going, no, this will still work, this will still work, because your only other option is try to peddle Carl Anthony Towns for, like, four first-round draft picks and from some young talent. And that might have happened four years ago. It's not going to happen now.
0: Yeah, I think it's definitely a, a kind of a prior thing in this situation. If you were to move on from that, I think you'd be admitting defeat, you know, when you're in. And I'm not sure how GMs want to do that. I don't think they, they're out there they like that situation uh but for either for either of them i don't think they've done a really good job in terms of upping their value in this postseason so far looking at towns he's averaging 10 points a game on 30 percent shooting so if he were a situation where you, you're trying to trade him or you, you're looking to see what you can get for him maybe you don't show them tape from this this postseason so far i don't want to <laughs> i don't want to uh write him off just yet because they've got two games in minnesota uh, and he's had some time to think about it but it's, it's been rough i don't think you, you Probably got to burn the tape at this point for these first two games, and then just try to try again next two in Minnesota.
1: I still say that cost aside, cost of acquiring or cost of the forty million. And by the way, the Blazers gonna play somebody for pay somebody forty million. So, but if you're gonna keep the current team intact, there are worse centers to have than Gobert. You just slow down into the half court, which is what Lillard kind of wants to do anyway, and run Anthony Simons off of screens you know basically your offense is Shaden can you run out if not we all set up and you know Rudy just stays down now he can't score in the middle but he, you know he could probably become enough of a threat where at least if you tossed him the ball they have to keep a defender on him or you know just keep a defender close that's going to that's going to keep somebody single covered on the perimeter and that's all that the Blazers need uh, the defense would help i mean you just again set it and forget it put him in the middle hey guys drive by so be it you you keep a reasonable backup center for when he gets in foul trouble I don't like the I don't like the price tag of course but if the Blazers got Rudy Gobert I would say well they made a stab at improving something I mean it it could work
0: my only question with that would be you know how much of a difference would that be between himself and, and Yusuf Nurkic I mean obviously Gobert's a four-time defensive player of the year he's a hall of fame kind of player so you got that part of it but from what I understand, he has his defense hasn't been as great in Minnesota this year. So I kind of worry about that part of it. Um, and, and in terms of just the half-court setting, I don't think that the Blazers' best chance to win, I think, is in half-court. I think there's situations where you got young talent, you want to get out on the open floor and run. So that'd be something to kind of think about. Um, and, and that that last game with Minnesota and, and Portland, you've seen with Shaden Sharp, he just routinely went to the basket and took it right at Rudy Gobert time after time, and he didn't show any fear in it. So I kind of worry at this point with Gobert getting older, uh, questions about his maturity, you know, do you want to have a, a culture fit like that in, in Portland? I'd be on board with it, you know, for the right price. I think if you were just able to swap those two out, maybe you'd do it. But I kind of worry about, you know, with that, how big of a difference would that make with the defense, with Nervish being a pretty good defender in the rim, at the rim himself.
1: Yeah. If you're going to go young and run, though, I think you got to trade Lillard. I mean, because Lillard's, uh, he's a half-court point guard, and he's great at it. Uh It's just not, again, I think the Blazers have to unify under something. Like a style, uh, an age, a whatever. Gobert would be, let's put it this way. Gobert would be on the Lillard side of the ledger, I think. Even if, yeah, I'm not sure Dame would like him. I don't know who, you know, I don't know if that's the right fit. But at least it's like, all right, you've got a premier half-court defender playing A half-court game with your half-court point guard. Shaden Sharp's the odd man out, but you can absorb that. Let's go. And let's see how many block shots Rudy can get. And you know what? Honestly, if Rudy can defend a center and then slide over to block or threaten penetration at all, the Blazers are probably better off than they have been. All right. Well, anyway, it's, it's not the best move of the summer. It would be an iffy one, but... It's not out of my realm of of possibility. Anyway, Lakers and Grizzlies, that's interesting, mostly because of the talk. Uh, Also, obviously, John Morant uh, got injured. Another one of those that's kind of been snake bit this year. Uh, Series is tied 1-1. What do you see happening in that? And, uh, you know, do you see any interesting prospects there?
0: Oh, I had the Lakers winning this series before John Morant's injury. Um, I thought they'd be able to kind of take advantage of Memphis uh, lack of rim protecting, which uh, Stephen Daniels being out for the season, Brandon Clark being out and they got to kind of figure out what to do with that. Um, So I thought they were going to be able to take advantage of that. They've got the guys to to kind of do that. One thing that I kind of like seeing other than seeing you know, LeBron James back in the postseason, I think it's pretty cool that he doesn't have to go out and and get 30, 35 for them to win games. They've got so much talent now with, with Austin Reeves, Anthony Davis, uh, Rui Hachimura is a guy that I like to I like to entertain with Portland. I think he's he's young and he's got a nice uh, a penchant for for playing playing well in big games in the postseason games Hachimura does. Um, so guys like that, I think Memphis is going to make it a series. They're thirty five and six at home, um, and they've got it. They've still got Desmond Bain and Jaron Jackson, you know guys that you can't ever count out. But I think the Lakers are going to win that series in six games, maybe seven if Ja gets back. But I got the Lakers getting to the second round this year.
1: Well, that'll be interesting if they do. A disappointment for Memphis. I think Memphis will consider the latter half of the season cursed and just kind of focus on the first half of the season. I don't see them fire sailing. I see them running it back. Uh, obviously, Stephen Adams is a huge omiss- omission as well. Uh, they had the whole Ja Morant's legality slash suspension thing. Is there anybody from Memphis that you'd want?
0: Oh, can we get Desmond Banks?
1: <laughs> Unlikely. You could probably get Dylan Brooks, but I'm scared.
0: Yeah, that that's a... Um, I don't know. I'm i am so stuck on the, the, the culture-fit kind of guys. I feel like Portland used to do that where they had guys that fit that that culture that you wanted to kind of fit them as a team. Uh, Brooks maybe fits that, but I don't know. He, he's a locker room guy that you want to have in there. Um, he's from Oregon, so he's got roots in Oregon. He played, played at the University of Oregon, the Oregon Ducks. So that's a situation you can look at, but... I don't know. I don't know. He, he Dylan Brooks is a guy that I, I think is. He, he, I'm not sure if the bark backs up the bite all of the time. He's a guy that is, his shot selection is a little bit overconfident. It could be some. It could be tough for Blazers fans to kind of stomach at times. But there are worse options to have. So if, if he's the guy that's available, I think you, you. I think you take it. I think you take it.
1: I we're, we're each allowed one of those. So there we go. That's he's yours. Mine my mine, mine is Gobert. <laughs> yours is Brooks. That's fine. Uh, Lakers, that'll be interesting. Of course, Anthony Davis is just a fascinating story, probably over-talked about nationally, but one of the top 75 players in the league and occasionally plays like it, but then occasionally just either gets injured or disappears or whatever. What What's the story on AD now, and does he... Gosh, if the Lakers were to call you up and say, let's talk about trading Anthony Davis. We're gonna we're gonna probably move LeBron too, but not to you. I mean, because that's not gonna work, and he wouldn't stay there, and blah blah. Right? He's gonna follow Bronny somewhere. Uh, but we're rebuilding entirely. We want some of your assets. We're dangling Anthony Davis. Would you would you seriously consider that?
0: I consider it, but man, there's such a health risk involved with that. If you look at his last three seasons, he's played 36 games, 40 games, and 56. So he's he's not cracking that. 60-game barrier. He hasn't cracked it in four years. Um, So I think you definitely, I think that's tough. I think one big thing for him this year is that he's he's played a lot bigger. He's transitioned to the center spot a little bit better. He's playing more in the low post and and you probably won't find as many many rim protectors as good as he is. So I think you definitely, you put it on the table, but him being 29 years old and the injury history, it'd be tough. Every time he falls on the ground, you know, you kind of kind of hold your breath. And I remember thinking that with Lillard a couple years back. He had one season, I think it was 2019, 2020, And he just was injured. He got hurt and fell on the ground so many times throughout the game, and you're just so worried. So I think you look at that same thing with Anthony Davis. Every time you fell on the ground, you have to worry about losing that investment Um, and and the injury history with that. I think the Blazers have done that too many times. So it'd be tough to say, but Anthony Davis is a guy that he's top ten when he's healthy, so I think you take a chance on that too.
1: Well, I don't know. Like, I'll tell you the truth. He's making $40 million next year, and he has an early termination option, which basically player option, uh, on $43 million in 2024-25, which I bet he's, he'd exercise. Who knows if he'd stay, which means the Blazers probably couldn't pay enough draft picks and future talent to actually get him because you'd be nervous he'd leave after a year. And you, as you say, you don't know that he'll play a lot of games in the coming year. But on the surface of it, with salary and potential and position, it would be an automatic yes, but for this. I mean, it would be... And I guess if it were an automatic yes, it wouldn't be available. I get it. But they'd have to at least listen, I think. And, you know, if the costs were Yusuf Nurkic and one of their guards and a couple draft picks, I mean... uh, Ah, it'd be tough. I mean, the tough thing would be, okay, like, okay, it's the number two pick this year, and it's Nurkic, and it's Anthony Simons, and we'll give you Davis. I mean, ouch, that's a huge cost, huge cost. But those are things that the Blazers were prepared to spend anyway. I don't know. I think my answer would be no, but I'd at least have to sit down and talk with somebody about it.
0: Yeah, I mean, like you say, they have got to pay somebody. Uh, they 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 can't go in that can't go into the season not paying somebody. And the situation they got to pay Jeremy Grant maybe twenty five, thirty million dollars uh, potentially. I think you can. There's definitely a lot worse than you can do than Anthony Davis um, if if the situation came about. So I would probably trade lightly with that um, if it were me, just because of the age and the injury history and whatnot. But like I said, there are worse things you can do, and I think that that move is one of those all in moves where you got i think he'd be really pleased with that and if it doesn't work out you know if you can just get if you can trade Simons and you can keep sharp you still got your your something you can bid around with your future too so
1: yeah and you, you put it on the table you got future yeah. draft picks too right yeah i mean you do. you just you trade this one and I, again i think the higher this draft pick is the more a potential like that would happen. But again, then if you step back and look at it in the abstract, it seems like a bad deal. And this, is the, this shows you the problem with the Blazers, and they have not solved it yet. Stuff that isn't ideal, that isn't great in the abstract, things like that trade, or like getting players who are one year away from their contract expiring, so you have to be the team that pays them a mint without entirely knowing if they're going to fit but that's the only way you can get them. In the abstract those are bad things. But in the blazer situation they make sense. And they've been doing that tap dance for half a decade now minimum. And somehow they have to get their ship right enough to wear things that are bad are also bad for you and things that are good are also good for you and you're not like taking risk based on your need Uh, again hate to do relationship stuff but here we go you're so damn desperate that that person at the other end of the bar with a cigarette dangling out of their mouth uh you know who smells like they haven't showered in three days looks attractive right and i'm not saying i don't want to talk about davis i'm not making a player comparison i'm just saying like your decision making process should not be limited to that 10 minutes in that bar at closing time you need to back up and reevaluate your life a little bit there buddy and you need to ask what am I doing in this situation where I'm forced to make this kind of decision? And maybe I need to make some bigger changes so that what makes sense is actually good instead of what makes sense being a coin flip with, you know, halitosis.
0: Yeah, I think that's that's a good point. I think the Blazers kind of got to consider that um, understanding. And maybe there's a reason why these guys are available. You know, when you get a guy that, like you said, has one year left on his contract, maybe there's a reason why you're getting it. Maybe it's not the steal you think. Um, and that's that's a situation where you know we've seen it before. Um and I think I think about that with a guy like Rudy Gobert Like maybe there's a reason why this would be his, his third team in, in, in three years if you're able to get him. Like something's something is going wrong. Um Cam Redis was a guy that maybe you could put in that category, like he's this is his what, fourth team in, in five years. Maybe there's a reason for that. Um but you know at the same time, you know, you this team is as swung and they've missed when it comes to that situation. And and I don't know, Anthony Davis is a guy that He's, he's, he's older, but he's still top 10 when, he's, when you get done with it, when he's healthy. So I don't know. I'm 50-50 on that one too. So it's tough to say.
1: And you could take the chef metaphor like, okay, well, we take discount level cuts of meat and stuff like that and turn them into delicious dishes. That's a scenario in which that works, right? And I think that was true of the Blazers in the 80s and the 70s. I think it was true for a minute under Terry Stotts. There were players who were coming to Portland who were routinely having career-high years or doing the best that they ever had. And, by the way, when you traded them away, they did worse. Alfredo Camino, classic example, right? Mo Harkless, too, a little bit. But the Blazers aren't there now. Now, they're not as bad as in the basically— at a certain point when the Rashid scottie Pippen era started getting old, players would come here and routinely do worse— They're not there, but they're not really making people look great. I I, Granted, Jeremy Grant's still scoring 20. I get it. Anthony Simons is coming up. I get it. But it's not like you're going, these are superstars now, or I know that these are going to be franchise cornerstones now. The the Blazers, if they're going to buy discount, they need to have the kind of restaurant that turns discount into appetizers and uh, entrees that draw a lot of attention and money.
0: Yeah, it's going to be tough however they decide to do it. Um, I'd agree with you on your point, though. I I think that the Blazers, they used to have guys like that. Don't see it as much. And with those old teams, with Rashid and and Sabonis and those guys, I thought the problem was, like, they were a little bit too deep. It was kind of hard getting all those guys' minutes and whatnot. I think that's the situation the Blazers would kind of like to have at this point this year, having too much depth. But there are drawbacks to both sides of it, so I don't know. It's, It's hard to say.
1: They should go get Rashid. I mean, I bet he could still play. <laughs> so, I mean, <laughs> I would make that phone call. A uh, couple more series and then we'll be done. Uh, Suns and Clippers, which is interesting because it feels like this should be bigger than it is. But the other series we haven't talked about is drawing all the spotlight. Uh, Phoenix is winning two to one. Yeah. But it's been close. It's been competitive. Uh, Kawhi Leonard, though, is out ouch another huge huge uh, omission from what should be a fantastic series don't know when he'll come back don't know if he'll come back i, I haven't seen that they've announced that what do you see from here
0: i think yeah that entire series kind of hinges on his knee um, they said in, in game four he'd be you know day-to-day considered day-to-day so he'll be back then and i think they're also expecting paul george to be able to get back during the back half of that series so um, Phoenix, if I'm Phoenix, I'm trying to end that series in five games. I don't want, I don't want to leave that up to chance and have those guys get back healthy and, and have a chance to kind of, kind of wreck the game plan a little bit. And i Phoenix is my championship pick. I think that they just got so much talent in terms of, like you said, with the whack-a-mole they've got Kevin Durant, you think you stop him. You got to go deal with Devin Booker, Chris Paul, still capable of taking over a game, even at age 37, DeAndre Aiden. So they've got some, some, some talent there. I worry about their depth. So that's why I also think it's going to be very important for them to win this series early. You've got Kevin Durant playing 44 minutes a night. Uh, Devin Burker playing 44 minutes. So I think you've got to close this series out before Kawhi Leonard gets back. Because if those guys get back healthy and motivated, it can go six or seven. I got Phoenix winning it in, in five or six.
1: And here again, we have the irony of load management from the team who's basically patented it. And now the two guys that you want to load manage more than anyone else in the universe are both out of your playoff series. I mean, I don't I don't even know. Like, it's one thing to say, well, we load manage because I, I know I'm sounding like a climate change person. Like, global warming, but it's cold. I get it. I don't have the data or whatever. This is just reflex. The Clippers load managed a heck. And now George and Leonard are out. I think you have to reverse and look at the whole premise again. And I get that the the league is different. It's more athletic. It's quicker. I think maybe players need to play fewer minutes per game, frankly. I mean that that might be I don't I'd experiment with that. Before I'd experiment with all kinds of players being out all kinds of times, because, you know, I wonder if your body really does adjust to the rigors of play. And then you try to turn it on. And I just remember back in the day, and again, old timer, derp derp. But, you know, Rasheed Wallace, Brian Grant, they were out there playing basically 82 games, or most of them, and then played hard in the playoffs and long minutes in the playoffs. And they played physical. They didn't seem to wear down. I don't know. I I just wonder if we're all in kind of a spiral here with this that just isn't working. Anyway, uh, anyone from the Clippers that – or Suns – I can't – I mean, Phoenix is not letting go their big players – Clippers? Would you even want Paul George at this point? I'm not sure. I did two years ago. I don't know. So, yeah, years any possibilities there.
0: Um, uh, not really with the Clippers because most of their roster we've we've kind of already had. Like they got <laughs> uh, Nicholas, Stone, <laughs> Norman Powell. So, no thanks on that. Um, beyond that, maybe maybe Terrence Mann. Um, maybe a uh, Zubac. I, th- I like Zubac's play. I think he plays pretty well. He'd be a guy that. Not too many differences between him and Nurkic, and he's younger too, so uh, that could be a guy. But outside of that, we've also had Mason Pongley, so it's like <laughs> the ex-Blazers from 2015 and 16 is, are all on this team. So I'd say no.
1: You bring up a valid point, though, that one out for the Blazers might be just to get a second Nurkic, right? For when the actual Nurkic can't play. And I know Nurk didn't like that when he was young in Denver with Jokic. But maybe at this point in his career, he wouldn't mind uh, kind of platooning. And maybe he has enough invested in the team, in the franchise, and Damian Lillard, where he'd be willing to sacrifice a little bit theoretically. Although, honestly, he wouldn't have to play much more or less than he's already doing it. He's already only out here half the time. You get a second one who's like him. And now all of a sudden you always have a center on tap, not to impugn Drew Eubanks at all, love Drew Eubanks, think the Blazers should keep him, as I always say, but not your starting center, probably. So uh, I, I wouldn't scream if something like that happened.
0: Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. Um, and I don't know if Nurgis really has a, too much of a say in that. You know, if you can't stay healthy, then it's, you're doing a team a disservice if you're mad about something like that. And I wrote about this in a recap uh, today. Over the last 310 games that he's played, he's only played in 49% of those games. So that's he's basically in a suit in half of those and in a jersey in the other half. So it's, it's just kind of hard to, you know, have your – you can't – how does the saying go? You can't eat your cake and choose it or something like that. Like, yep, you can't have – it. you know, you just got to kind of pick one or the other. And um, the Blazers have – historically, they've, they've not been healthy at the same time. So you want to have as many options with that depth as you can. And I think Nergens and, and, and uh, Zuckerbach are, are so similar in that the way they play. You took one of them out, you'd still be able to play your same kind of style. So, it'd be it'd be a, a plus fit for me if you can get him.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I'd do it. I don't. Not sure. That, I think the Clippers probably say it, see it the same way. But so be it. Maybe there's a three way deal out there that gets them something they like more. All right, and finally, the one that everybody's talking about: Sacramento Kings, Golden State Warriors. The Kings are up to one, but. Golden State won the last one, have momentum. They won it without Draymond Green. So I got to ask you, what's your opinion on the stomp?
0: <laughs> um, I, I thought maybe it was a little bit over-exaggerated, but when you build a reputation like that, you know, it kind of follows you. So everything you do is going to kind of fall into that same limelight. Um, I thought maybe the rejection was enough, but, you know, I I, I, I think you've got to establish the fairness of the game. I think you, you maybe made the right decision suspending him. And maybe he learns his lesson from that. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm on board with that.
1: I don't think Draymond Green will ever learn his lesson. I think he's <laughs> he, he says the rest of the world needs to learn about Draymond Green. I mean, that's his approach. Uh, before we get there, anything you see from the Kings you like or dislike? Uh, I think we know who the Warriors are, right? Uh, and who do you think wins this series?
0: I think the Warriors still win it in seven games. Um, I, I'm... I, of the belief that I think young teams kind of have to go through bumps. And I think the Kings kind of remind me of like the 2013-14 uh, Blazers. You Remember how they came out with the one-two punch with Aldridge and Lillard? That's basically Fox and Sabonis, and they ran into a championship team in San Antonio and, and kind of had to learn a lesson. So I think great teams have to go through that one-year bump and then they get to the next level. And they've already played extremely well this year. They've benefited from a lot of injury luck and whatnot. So uh, I just it, it's hard for me to subscribe to the idea of Stephen Curry and Klay Thompson; these guys losing losing to a team that really doesn't have much playoff experience. You know, I think it's going to be a situation where they get to a Game Seven at home, and the pressure kind of gets to them a little bit. And then the championship experience of Golden State kind of shows out, and they win that series. But that's been the best series so far, I think. You know, by far.
1: I'm interested to see. I think it kind of hinges on Sabonis. I think Fox will get his, and obviously, there's no question about Steph and Clay getting theirs to the extent they're able, but. is Sabonis able to turn the game in the middle? Is Sabonis able to stay focused to convert the easy attempts that he, you know, they're in his wheelhouse. He doesn't have to go superstar or supernova, but does he play well on offense, and is he able to make a difference inside rebounding, getting around the court in the interior on the other end? I think if he does, they've got a chance, uh, a good chance, actually, I think. But if he doesn't, the Warriors will just be a machine. The Warriors are not going Warriors don't care about all this light, the beam and cowbells and all this stuff They're And I'll tell you, it's funny because I was listening to the call. I was listening to the radio call of game one. And at the end of game one, you know, Steph had to open three to tie it. Right. Send it into overtime. And he missed it, which made the whole rest of the world go Oh my gosh, Steph Curry missed an open three-pointer for the, you know, it was like, what happened? It was like seeing uh, Santa Claus wreck the sleigh, right? Um, The Warriors radio guy was just like, and Steph has an open three, and he missed it. Game over. Like, literally, they didn't care. And it's not that the passion wasn't there. I'm not saying that at all. It's just like, okay, we've seen this. We've got titles. We've got this. This doesn't matter. He missed a shot. We're going to get it next time. And it's fine. And it's like, that's the difference between the two franchises right now. Like, light the beam every 10 seconds. It's like, what are you lighting? Uh, you can. We're, we're going to hold up a trophy. You can light up whatever you want. Flip the switch.
0: Yeah, you got to act like you've been there. You know, as simple as that. And this is a Kings team that, like I said, they don't have a lot of experience. You look at their roster, Harrison Barnes is the NBA champion. But outside of that next six or seven guys, it, it, there's really not a lot of postseason experience in, from that regard. So I think it's going to come back to bite them. Um, and to your point about the bonus, I've been when you watch the series, if you notice when they run those DHOs, they run so well. Uh, Golden stay sagging off, they're letting them shoot perimeter shots, three-point shots, and whatnot, and it's just not working. So I kind of wonder how that next counter is going to be for for uh, Sacramento. But then they've also got Mike Brown, who knows, you know, the Warriors in and out. So that's going to be a, a fun next, you know, four or five game. Hopefully, I think it's going to be a, a great one.
1: Demontis needs to call up his daddy, and say, "Hey, <laughs> give me some points on my three-point stroke here." Uh, well, you know, I think Sacramento will still win this I, I I honestly do, and I think it's a it's a really interesting story for the league, too. I mean, if they do. But will Sacramento make it all the way through? Eh, I don't know. also, comma Portland watch out because. You see, I mean, yes, everybody wants to be the Sacramento fan base, and that's what Portland wanted to be. You know, that's what Portland was expecting to do this this year, right? And it's hard not to envy the Kings. You kind of do, and rightfully so. But they're yelling that loud because they haven't been to the playoffs in 17 years, and they're going to consider even a playoff loss some kind of success, and getting the second round is amazing. And you're going like, yay, Sacramento. But, uh-oh, that's not really who you want to be, right? And that's exactly where Portland is. And you have to be careful not to fall into that trap. And I'm not I'm not mad at Sacramento. I'm not saying anything wrong about them. I'm just saying, look at the price they paid for all that enthusiasm. That's not the way you want to go about it. And you need to be the kind of team that defines success as success. Sacramento, I think, will get there. I don't have worries about them. But watch out what you envy, because that may literally be you. The Kings, and this is my issue here, this series is it in a microcosm. The Kings are the team that's coming up behind you. They've already passed you, and you're going to have to play catch-up, and that's from a team that you were ahead of. You got teams like the Warriors that are still ahead of you, and then you got teams like the Suns who are reaching that Warriors-like peak and aren't Looking to give it up for another couple years. This whole thing about build around Damian Lillard. What the hell? You're not building around Damian Lillard. You're losing ground to the teams behind you, and you're still roadblocked by the teams ahead. That ain't great.
0: Yeah, and I think that's what that's what hurts the most about this year with the Western Conference being as open as it was. Is because the Blazers really had a shot this year. You look at these teams early in the year, they 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 went neck neck, toe to toe with the Kings. Opening night, they went toe to toe with the Nuggets. Teams like that, that are you know aspiring to win championships this year, so it's tough. And they let one get away, I think. And I don't think it's ever going to get as easy as this because, like you said, the Kings are coming. You know, They're going to be. If it isn't this year, it'll be next year. Um, and they got a lot of young teams that are, are you know gunning for that top spot. With Golden State getting older, uh, LeBron and Lakers getting a little bit older, so chance was there uh, this year. And maybe if they get younger and maybe if they get a little bit better off season, maybe they have a chance to do it this year. But Oh, man, I felt like the Blazers had a really good shot this year of sticking with these, these very teams. And they just weren't able to do it.
1: They needed their 2019 performance this year. And they peaked too early and they <laughs> held on to it too long or too short. <laughs> I don't know. Depends on which way you, you slice it. But just right thing, wrong time and weren't able to sustain it, by the way, because 2019 was followed by 2020 and 2021, et cetera, et cetera. All right, last question, and it's the big one, Draymond Green. Would you take him?
0: i I take Draymond Green? I would absolutely take Draymond Green. Um, <laughs> I'm one of those people where I, I kind of, I feel like there are two different kinds of fans where you see his box score numbers and you think that he's not as good as he But being a Blazers supporter, he's done to the Blazers in the playoffs over the last the half decade, last decade, whatever it is. You kind of understand what he does as a, as a defensive quarterback of that team, a facilitator, and how he pushes the ball. And his relationship with Lillard, you know, those guys get along really well. I think that they it'd be a little bit different from Dylan Brooks. You know, with Dylan Brooks, uh, he and the Blazers don't really get along, but Draymond Green and Lillard, they kind of understand each other. I'd take him. You know, he's, he's definitely getting up there in the age. He's in his 30s now, so got to think about that. But, um, to have him at that small ball five or at the four or whatever you want to put him at, I think you you, you can definitely do a lot worse than that. And I think it, it, it sent a message about the championship pedigree that you're aspiring to build. So I'd, I'd be on board with that. I'd love to hear, I would hear what you would have to say about Yeah,
1: that. Uh, we're polar opposites there. Uh, in that, no, I, I agree. I respect everything Draymond has done. And um, he, is, he really was the heart of those championship teams. I mean, Steph got to be Steph and Clay got to be Clay because Draymond was in there being Draymond right and he was like your big brother like you you look good out there but he's he's keeping the bullies off you also facilitating the offense one of the sneakiest best players at the four or five positions for doing that because you think this guy can't score he's no threat and he's like well yeah i'm a threat because i'm gonna hit everybody i'm gonna get right in the middle of this i can handle the ball i can pass fantastic also defensively Absolutely, you know, superstar level. I acknowledge all of that. But Draymond Green is 33 years old. He's coming into a new contract in which he's going to want to be paid a bloody fortune. And he's not been the same the last year or two. He is also increasingly a loose cannon, and nothing's going to pull that back. I agree with Steve Kerr. It's like nothing pulled that back when he was in his mid 20s and it was an asset, okay? But you're getting the grandpa loose cannon, not the, you know, 50s and 40s. You're in his prime loose cannon. You're getting crazy grandpa. You're going to inherit all of the deficits of Draymond Green and maybe, maybe the good parts. But that's not certain. And for how long, even if you do, what do he got a year, he got two and he's going to want a four year contract minimum. Okay, so I think that that is exactly the kind of move. And by the way, I think that that would bust up the chemistry. I think Damian Lillard can absorb almost anybody. But I think, again, nobody controls Draymond. And if you can harness your team to that, it's a great engine. It's like, you know, water skiing behind a killer whale. But if you can't, that killer whale just going to run all around the tank and eat all the rest of the fish. And that's exactly what's going to happen, I think, to, to Draymond's next team. Add in what you said, you're going to re-sign Jeremy Grant, then you already got a four. How, where's he going to play? Can you play Grant and Draymond together? You're still awful short. How many games is Draymond going to play? Can he defend bigger centers? Well, you bring in Nurkic, but then will Nurkic play behind Draymond? And how does your game style change then? Uh, there's just so many, It's it's not... A comfortable roster fit it's not a comfortable culture fit and even given all that he's done I don't think I'd touch it with a 10-foot pole
0: and when you put it like that I, I see what you're saying I'm just thinking about it now and practices with Draymond green and Yusuf of it could get ugly it could get really ugly so oh um, especially if yeah that could that could get bad um, I don't know if you were willing to set up for something shorter than that I think you try to get a guy like him like in the draft, I would go get a guy like Jarius Walker, a guy that they kind of compare to Draymond Green, stuff like that. Just the way that he plays—if you—if you were able to get his play style, minus the attitude and the personality—I think you take that chance. Um, but like you said, he carries a lot of baggage, so it—I it, don't know—it'd be—it'd be, it'd be tough—it'd be tough to kind of to kind of go into that.
1: If Draymond Green punches Shaden Sharp, we're going to have words.
0: Oh yeah, same.
1: <laughs> <laughs> like, like no man, protect the rookies. I assume they'd have to trade because they'd have to be a assigned they can't they can't sign him outright so uh and I believe his contract expires this year uh I have to check that, but uh yeah, there's no way that they could sign him, so they'd have to trade for him uh and I mean that's going to cost you for Golden State to sign and trade look if he's leaving sure they they'll have a discount, but they're still going to want something right so it's I assume you'd lose, like, well, would they even want Anthony Simons, though? I don't know. I, I, I have a hard time seeing how that works as well. So uh, Green has a player option for next year of $27.5 million or point six. He's going to decline that. So the, Goldens, the Warriors will have to up, re-up him or sign and trade him, or he's going to walk. And if he walks, the Blazers don't have cap space to sign him. So they tried to talk him into sign and trade.
0: Yeah, and I think after that last Warriors trade with Gray Payton the second, I don't really want any part of doing a trade with Golden State at this point in time. But um, it's, I wish we could have got James. That would have been a nice project to have. I'm sorry, um, for
1: some reason, you keep uh, your bike cuts out now and again. You wish you could have who? Oh, Wiseman?
0: And yeah, if we could have gotten James Wiseman from that trade, you know, Kevin nostin has been really, really good, you know, in terms of what he did over the last week or so. But James Wiseman, I think, would have been a nice project to have, kind of develop him, um, but just never know.
1: Yeah. I mean, he would have been an interesting prospect, certainly would have helped the youth movement. Not a lot of yeah. defense there, but you knew he was going to be, do better when he left Golden State, right? I mean, he was he was beat up there. Uh, that was the, he went through a lot. And it just felt like the breath of fresh air and a team that didn't make so many demands or have quite as. Tight of a hoop for him to fit through was going to be good for him automatically. Do you think he's going to excel the way he did in the latter part of the season with Detroit, or is Golden State Wiseman the real Wiseman?
0: Um, I think that he's definitely got some room to grow. I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna grow. Um, I, the biggest thing that I saw from him is that he's not really as good of a, a passer out of the post as maybe you were kind of one out of a big. But I think those are things that you can kind of teach. Um, and they've got a, a, a nice one-two punch with him and Marvin Bagley that I kind of like. Uh, But I don't really see him becoming an all-star player, but he's definitely going to be a a serviceable, you know, starter, kind of second unit player over his career, I would say. That's what I kind of evaluated this for.
1: Yeah, makes sense. I mean, that would have been a pleasant problem for the Blazers to have. Uh, They didn't. I mean, Knox, if he comes back, could be interesting. Uh, Well, we'll see. That's another podcast. Very good. Well, thanks for running down the playoffs with us, and next week we'll probably have the conclusion of many of these series and a couple going into perhaps Game 7s, right? So for Marlo Ferguson, I'm Dave Deckard and we hope that your week is enjoyable, and it's no good saying go Blazers, so I guess like everybody else, we'll say go Kings and see how it works.